Good morning, Sarah Hefla. Good morning, Nancy Rahman. TGIF. Yes, it is. And it has been a week. A lot of interesting reading that I think we'll get to uh, on the next podcast. But um, what's going on? Uh, well, I'm glad it's the weekend. I, I have an update for our listeners about our podcast on Yasha Monk and that the uh, the the sort of controversy about him getting cut from the Atlantic. Can, can I offer that? Yes, please. So uh, I emailed our house lawyer, Scott Greenfield, who had joined us on that podcast, to ask a question that I had meant to ask on that pod and then totally forgotten. Um, can Yasha Monk sue for defamation? And I wanted to share Scott's response because I think it's a common question among our listeners. So Scott writes back, he has a case, but it would be ugly and hard to prove the negative that he didn't rape her, which would be his burden as plaintiff. I would need more information before deciding whether it would be a good idea to pursue a defamation claim. So there you go. I keep, people keep bringing this podcast up to me. We've gotten a ton of new subscribers. Welcome yeah. to all our new Sam Harris's. And <laughs> people keep asking me, can Yasha sue for defamation? And it, it just seems so easy. You know, when you're sitting at home in your lounger that, you know, hey, just sue somebody for defamation. Why not? You know, but like, uh, look, the case is a little more complicated than that. It's very hard. Also, defamation cases are not easy. There's a lot of burden of proof and who said what and who's allowed to say it. And are you a public figure? It's 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 complicated. So, yeah. Well, we have a guest today, and I'm very excited. We've been talking about having this guest on our show since we started our podcast. That is true. Okay. Walter Kern is here with us, and he's going to have to sit through a rather long introduction that I've written on his behalf. I know. Okay. Cracking knuckles. Walter Kern is a dangerous person. He's the author of several books, two of which, Up in the Air and Thumbsucker, were turned into movies that were actually pretty good. He's the editor-at-large of County Highway, an unconventional print-only publication that touts itself as a magazine about America in the form of a 19th century newspaper. Nancy and I both have subscriptions, and we can tell you it's a blast. But in this age of distraction, Kern is perhaps better known as half of the political podcast America This Week, which he co-hosts with the journalist Matt Taibbi, a rather unlikely duo that's kind of like the world's smartest frat bro talking with his wise, funny uncle. I say Walter Kern is dangerous not merely because he's the kind of dissident thinker who got shadow banned on Twitter back when that was a thing, but because I once watched him hold a lecture hall of board conference attendees completely spellbound with only his words and ideas. He was talking about his true crime masterpiece, Blood Will Out, which happens to be Nancy's and my favorite of his books. But he was also talking about con men and media shell games because Kern is the kind of writer who sees the world with a spooky clarity. I will admit that sometimes this makes him sound like a crackpot, but I have learned that even his most crackpot ideas can turn out to be true after enough time passes. He lives between Montana and Las Vegas, and he's married to one of my favorite people, the writer Amanda Fortini, who is almost certainly his better half. Walter Kern, welcome to Smoke Him if you got him. I'm glad to be here. I didn't detect a single lie in your introduction, particularly <laughs> the crackpot part. <laughs> it's true, though. You have something of a Cassandra curse. Uh, you, I don't know if it's the novelist in you or the paranoid 
person in you, but you see things or at least say them on Twitter a little bit before other people have really caught on to the idea. Nancy had this problem with me too, actually. Uh, she, she sort of said things she wasn't supposed to say yet before people had realized maybe there was something a little off. And, uh, and it makes you somebody that, uh, that people go, what's going on with that Walter Kern? Well, as long as they spell your name right. My mom was someone who, <laughs> my, my mom was someone who gave unconventional uh, advice to her son. And she said, just make sure they remember you. That was one of hers. Everyone loves a scoundrel, number two. Uh, number three, you know, you, you can be, uh, you can be too nice, but you can't be too, uh, well, what was it, mischievous or something like that. Um, I don't do it to be contrary. I don't do it yeah. to come off as a crackpot or make my people wonder about my sanity or my, you know, uh, ingestion of toxic substances, which is very low compared to most people's. Um, I do it because I see the world as a novelist, as a creative writer, or as a, a little Midwestern kid curious about adults. And I know that the moon has a dark side. I know that we're only supposed mm. to look at the front, but the, the interesting part is the back. And uh, the interesting part isn't what people wear to church. It's what they take off after they get home. And so I've always wanted to see around the corner, behind the veil, and so on. And when I go to a new city, I don't walk down the streets. I walk down the alleys. I want to see the part they're hiding. I want to see the part that they're not showing to the world. And that causes, in aggregate, my view of things to be slightly uh, at an angle, an oblique angle to everyone else's. It, it, is it also the case that when you hear, for instance, everybody talking about what they wore to church, you're like, guys, guys, we got to also look at what they took off. Right. Is it right. become just like you, you've got to say something because if you don't say something, then this becomes this weird like idea that's not really true. If we were good at team sports, we wouldn't be writers now, would we? Um, <laughs> that's so true. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the first forks in the road that happens as a kid. And uh, um, uh, in, in any case, uh, you know, when you're not six foot five either as a high school sophomore or whatever, the only way you can get to dance with the pretty woman is or young woman is uh to criticize the band in a more entertaining way than <laughs> the quarterback um and so it's a survival strategy too for those of us who you know aren't quarterbacks but to be serious the way the world works now especially in the age of electronic media and distribution of social media is to get everybody in a flow, everybody in the same river, and then use the energy of, uh, you know, public uh, mass belief to guide all sorts of things, you know, policy, decisions about what to put on television, what to take off television, etc. And it's pretty obvious once you wake up to it, that you're being driven as part of a herd. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up on a farm. 
Um, whenever I see myself in a herd and uh, mm. being driven along from behind uh, and being given obvious gates up in front of me to go into right or left, I hesitate and go, you're about to be slaughtered. That's why mm. they do that to you. Uh, they drive you in herds because they need you to go somewhere that isn't good for you. And you can instinctively know that and stand back from it. And you might be wrong, but you won't get slaughtered. Um, I know that we want to talk about County, County Highway, which we both love, but I think that we would be remiss not to ask you a little bit about the current news cycle, since that's the topic that you, you know, um, that you and Matt Taibbi um, debate each week. Uh, America This Week is has become a must-listen for me and uh, many, many other people. You are an unlikely duo, to me at least. Uh, did you know each other before this started? No, we didn't. Uh, at some point when Matt was doing a solo podcast uh, over a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, he asked me on to talk about something and I can't remember because though the news feels very urgent the week you talk about it, five weeks yeah. later, it feels very ancient. Yeah. But the thing we did discuss on that podcast was a, a novel that we have mutual uh, admiration for, Catch-22. And mm. we, we ended up off, off in some, you know, weedsy riff about some, you know, minor aspect of that novel known only to fans had a great time. A couple months later, he calls me up and he, he says, Hey, can you call me back? It's not bad. Okay. I, I love it. when he, I love it when people who make phone calls, uh, make sure to advise you that it, you can call them back without fear because he, yeah. knew, he knew me, you know? Yeah. Um, and he said, do you want to do a podcast together? We'd never met, which is really strange because we'd moved in very similar circles in New York, you know, magazine publishing and I, I it shocked me that we'd never met we did the podcast for i don't know a year before we even met in person wow. um and you know the only part of your early introduction that i would uh dispute is that i seem like his uncle he's only 10 years younger than me um I older can't... brother older brother right right but but I do. What, I, the point is that you, I see you as the um, the mentor figure in that dyad, and he's it, it, there is something about Matt, and I don't know Matt, but there's something about Matt that's a little bit arrogant, and I'd listened to his earlier podcast and been a little bit turned off by it, and you soften his edges. He's so damn good at what he does. But and and that's investigative journalism. Investigative journalism, which he then turns into very barbed and memorable and quotable prose in a way that most people who you know know how to you know get through the obstacles at City Hall and get to the truth can't do. And so he's also a sports guy, which I'm not. We we established mm -hmm. that almost at the top of the podcast. And uh, I mean, a real sports guy, he's competitive, he's, you know, uh, male and very uh, sure of himself. And so I guess when you all, you two must know this, 
whenever you have two people doing something, you fall into a relationship. Um, especially when you don't have to share a kitchen or a bathroom or something, you can fall fall into this kind of uh, archetypal relationship. And uh, mine toward him is that of someone who I think is trying to situate his intense energy and focus in a larger, uh, in, in a larger picture. Yes. Yes. You're doing you're 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 widening the lens for him. He's yes. so micro focused because of the investigative work. I mean, yes. especially because you have been on his show with him or your show together while he was doing the Twitter files, which was just this, you know, I can't even imagine what kind of lift that was. But you are always you have this great thing where you're pulling back, especially in literature, because you're such a literature nerd, uh, like in the best possible way. And using that, I think the book nerd aspect that you both share is also a beautiful part of the show to have something that is about this, yeah, the slipstream of daily politics, conservative nonsense, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're also talking about Tolstoy and we're talking about Kafka. You know, that's that's a really cool thing. Well, Matt's not a conservative. If, if, If that's the impression he gives, he's far from one. Matt is the is the most classical idealistic liberal uh, thinker and and uh, actor that I've ever met. Uh, I I'm more properly called a conservative if only because I hesitate to go along with a lot of the new bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I and I, and I wouldn't even call myself that. Matt Matt. And I have ended up because of what we talk about and because of our natural skepticism and our willing to kind of poke into any corner with people who we might not necessarily associate with in everyday life. Um, you know, it, it, we've got this weird situation now where the enemy of my enemy is my friend and so on. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, Matt's currently involved with exposing the roots of the fake Russia scandal having to do with Donald Trump. But this is a guy who wrote a, a book called Insane Clown President about Donald Trump. So, so you know, he's, he's simply going where the story goes. Uh, he's not being directed by ideology, that kind of ideology, at least. His ideology has to do with truthfulness and, and free expression, a commitment to which we both share to the nth degree. And, and that which, that's what makes us simpatico, I think. We're both absolutely um, committed to the notion that freer speech, freer expression, freer thought will lead to better outcomes, but it's also a value in itself. It makes worth living, life worth living. One of the things that comes up as I'm listening to you guys each week is that, you know, democracy uh, and an educated populace is actually quite a, a big ask of people. Oh, but, hey, the, the philosophy used to be we're going to we're going to educate everyone and they'll make better decisions or they'll make informed ones at least and they'll be able to live with their consequences. They'll at least be responsible. But it seems that the model for Western civilization has changed and evolved. And I use that term ironically and frankly disparagingly to one where 
rather than educate people, let's just narrow their choices for them. Let's just let, let's just filter out all the uh, all the bad stuff or the stuff we don't agree with, or even the stuff that's true that isn't helpful at that moment to whatever uh, common goal we're pursuing, and uh, get this pesky. Uh, inefficient step of people making choices out of the way and let them just feel that flow and be part of it and, you know, reduce the turbulence and bring them toward the, toward the outcomes that we've already decided are optimum. And that frightens the hell out of me that we have basically abandoned the notion that the, Improvement should be done at the at the customer's end, at the citizen's end, and that it should all be done up at the source end, where we just let through we just let through the approved stuff, and nobody can really make a mistake because uh, they'll just follow along. I was talking yesterday to the writer Carol Markowitz, who left um, New York City during the pandemic. And actually, I think one of the times I first heard you and Matt Taibbi talking, you were talking about the lab leak. That's the first time I remember hearing you guys talk together. But Carol said something interesting. Um, She said one of the reasons she's left New York is that she was so incredibly disappointed at how many people and how quickly herded themselves, just like you're talking about. Like they're like, you were told to go inside, we're going to go inside. We were told that it was this thing. It was this thing. And people kind of were so willing to be herded in a way that she didn't anticipate happening in New York City. And I don't know if I see it as much as she does, but I think there is a tendency to do that, even in a place where you're ostensibly somewhat sophisticated, though maybe that's the, the, the meaning of that word has changed. And people sort of want to be herded now, which I, like you, find very dangerous and boring. Of course they want to be herded. There's security in it. A lot of people work in corporate settings. You know, all three of us here are in some fashion outliers because we're not sitting right now in a big office subject to human resources control and afraid of what the person in the next cubicle might hear us say on the phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, people giving you a guide to approved opinion and approved thought on these subjects does does those in a corporate setting a great favor. They they know exactly what to say, what not to say, etc. When you add the sheen of morality and virtue, oh, you're helping your neighbor by doing this or doing that. You've basically hacked the social mind and yeah. uh and, and and let's look at the results of that just for a real quick second i know this isn't a show about these issues well it's that time again it's the end of the free portion of the podcast uh we would love for you to hear the whole thing and get oodles of other really cool stuff that we give you each week when you become a paid subscriber so you can do that easily by reading the episode notes which i know you do because we have links aplenty in there, or you can head over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and become a paid subscriber today. You'll be glad you did.